welcome to Amnesty International's comedy podcast series. This year, Amnesty's had exclusive backstage access at two of the biggest events on the comedy calendar, the 2014 Edinburgh Festival Fringe and the Balham Comedy Festival in London. We'll be bringing you a series of interviews with some of the greatest stand-up comedians working today, and along with finding out about the business of laughter, we'll be chatting about life, politics and human rights. This time we're joined by comedian and writer Shappy Corsandi. Shappy will be telling us about her Edinburgh Festival experience so far, including being hugged on stage, why she thinks it's a fear of rejection that means women find it harder to make it in comedy than men, and revealing the joke she really wished she'd never told. Shappy Corsandi, thank you for joining Amnesty International backstage at the Pleasance Dome in Edinburgh. You've just come off stage. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How did the gig go? It was good tonight. I think um, it was weird. Um, uh, It was fine. It was lovely. (laughs) Some audiences are are comedy clubby. Some audiences are theatre-y. Tonight I had more of a theatre-y audience. And um, I just heard someone in the wings. And it's because I haven't had any sleep. I I (laughs) I started to get quite freaked out that there was like a monster (laughs) in the side. I thought there was a monster and it was going to come out and get me. And then what happened was... It turned out not to be a monster, but one of the tech staff. And then I said, oh, my God, this is awful. I actually need a cuddle. And this lad got up in, from the audience and gave me this cuddle. And he was really tall and it was unexpected. And then I sort of got a bit of a crick in my neck. So it was just um, lovely and very, um, <laughs> very live comedy. So the new show is called Because I'm Shappy. Yes. I saw it last night. thought it was great. Um, can you. you tell the people that haven't been to see it a little bit about it? Yes, it's great. As you said, um, what is it? I think it's the most. Um, I think it's the most positive show I've done. It's. It's. I think it's. I, I feel happy as I'm doing my show, and uh, it's very personal, as I think are pretty much all the shows that I do. Maybe I lack imagination. I don't know. I'll do it about my life. Who's right here with me now? Me. I'll do it about me. It's a show. I talk a lot about being a single mother. Uh, pregnant and single getting into stand-up and can you hear that laughter yes it's someone that's, that's a... just got one of my jokes <laughs> um sometimes so. i come out of the show and like ages later you'll hear the roar <laughs> well that's this is the fun of the festival there's always stuff going on even yes. in the background so we're pretty much one week into the festival now do you think the show is locked down for the rest of august or do you think it will evolve somewhat um no it's not locked down they always evolve. Shows always evolve. It gets to the end of the festival and you go, oh, that's how that joke should be. Come back, everyone. Come back. I figured it out. <laughs> Nailed it, yeah. You, yeah, there's... You, you condense, you condense, you condense massively and you get to the punchline quicker. You add callbacks. You, you're, you're always working with it. It's like... Um, it's like a painting when you're a kid that you just can't stop doing, mm. even though you've made the sun go really smudgy now. <laughs> you just keep like working on it and, and trying to make it better. And then, you you know, I'm, I'm touring this show and I know that by Christmas it will be ext- for my own, to sustain my own interests, I have to change it and add bits. And yeah, so it's always... Always adding brush strokes. Yeah, it's yeah. not theatre. <laughs> So I read that your father and brother are also in the business. Um, would you say that the funny bone is hereditary? I think compulsion and um, addictive personalities are hereditary, and I think this job is a compulsion. Hmm. I think that they're 
there's something about stand-up that's very different to other art forms, if I may call it an art form. I know some people would disagree with me. To those people, I say you're a snob. <laughs> um, that, that it does fulfil some some sort of need as well as it being fun because you because because how much it hurts when it doesn't go right mm. it really hurts when it doesn't go right and to get over that and to keep doing it there's some compulsive you're constantly striving to connect with people who on the surface you might have nothing mm. in common with um like there's a guy in my front row Today, this huge Scottish man with a big bald head who's taken his wife out for the evening on Friday night. And to the naked eye, you know, him and I might not have anything in common. So it sort of delighted me when I saw mm. him like chuckling away. I, that's, that's the glorious part of what I'd like to do mm. because um, I don't believe in this idea that there are people in the world that you can't connect with. And that desire to connect with people that you've got nothing in common with on the surface is, is, is mm. what gives me a lot of satisfaction. So do you remember your first gig? Yes, it was at the Camden Head Pub on the 14th of December, 1996. And has your comedy evolved since then? No, it's exactly the same. <laughs> yes, same it has. Set and I don't look at my feet anymore. I tend to deliver my punchlines to the audience rather than my shoes. Are you a shoegazer? Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, moving on, we uh, we were disappointed this year to see a lack of female comics at some of the festival lineups this year, like uh, Tea in the Park and V Festival. Organisers say they tried to book more women, but they weren't available. Uh, there's a very funny section in your show about why you think there are more male comedians than female. Uh, can you enlighten our listeners? <laughs> I'd like your <laughs> listeners to come to my damn show and I will enlighten them there. Um, no, I, I, um, this, the, the thing about the festival thing, I know personally, I did all the festivals last year and, and they rotate. Hmm. They don't have the same lineup year, you know, they alternate. <laughs> At least that's what they told me. But I did Glastonbury. But, um, I think there are more male comedians and female comedians because there are, it's what we talked about the rejection. Hmm. In this job, women aren't socialised to take rejection as well as men are. Men are men bottle their feelings up and plough on and mm. plough on. You know, this, 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 there's I have this right. You know, there's this thing that women are never paid as much as men. Mm. Men ask for pay rises more often. Men talk about money more freely and easily than women do. And I think it's the same with stand-up. It, it's all about putting yourself out there. Yeah. I said you put your, you're more used to your egos being shot down. Yes, yes, exactly. And that comes from, you know, being young and going out. It's all, the onus is always on men to approach women. Mm. Unless you're like mega hot, you know, and have women come up to you. Which, yeah. you know, um, the onus is always... I mean, I know, I've been so... I was sitting in a pub once when I was 18 with some people and this guy came up to me how brave must he have been to come up to me in this pub in front of these people and say hello I think you're beautiful can I get you a drink do you know what I said to him I went dream on (laughs) (laughs) and I laughed at him isn't that awful you meanie no but you know why I did that it was insecurity it was a complete insecurity I was like well no you can't possibly like me because I'm a troll so you're you're probably just (laughs) taking the mickey so I'm going to treat and I thought I was being funny and everyone else on the table, they did not want to hang out with me for the rest of the evening. <laughs> it was horrible and I didn't have the confidence. And these sort of awful things happen. And my doing that to him was a, a 
case of my low self-esteem, which is why I'm a comedian, and perhaps he's a comedian somewhere now in Honolulu <laughs> because of what I did to him that day. Awful. Well, I hope, he, I hope he's over it. Um, a few female comedians we've spoken to have talked about how they consider quite carefully what they wear on stage to make sure they're not judged by their outward appearance too much or that it doesn't distract from what they are saying. Is this something you consciously think about before you perform? I don't think that's exclusive to women. I know male comedians who are like, no, I like to wear T-shirts, just T-shirts, bland T-shirts. Some go suit, 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 who want a suit. Um, depends what you feel comfortable in. I went through a complete... I, I watched that film, Walk the Line, mm. and I decided I was going to wear 50s dresses for the rest of my life. <laughs> and I just skipped around on stage in 50s dresses and I felt fabulous doing it. This year, I'm all about black. I'm all about jeans and black because I do, I do want it to be the words. Mm. It's all about the words. It's not about being image at all I did toy with the idea of that sounds really silly of not putting on any makeup this year I'm so bored of makeup I don't have the time <laughs> to take it off at the end of the evening I never wear makeup unless it's on stage but then oh, I just couldn't quite I just thought it's showbiz isn't it slap on a bit it almost seems disrespectful to the audience not to make mm. a bit of an effort with makeup then I thought I wouldn't wear a bra because <laughs> I'm really over bras as well. Really hate wearing bras. So you just um, turn up in your pajamas. Just turn up in my pajamas and go. It's about the words, man. I don't know. Um, I think it's bullshit to say that. Oh, you know, if a woman goes on in a in a short skirt or whatever, that just depends on how confident she is. You can you can go on stage in a bikini if you're confident with it. Stand up's all about how you feel in your skin, hmm. and if you're comfortable in your skin, then it's all good. Now, as Amnesty International, we stand up for freedom of expression. But is there anything... Do you? I didn't know that. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> is there anything you wouldn't joke about? I think joking about um, people negatively without their permission is not nice. I mean, by people, I mean people you know. I don't mean Putin. Mm. Um, I personally feel that if there are people that I can't I, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing certain jokes in front of then I should lose that joke hmm. like if I say oh I can't do this joke in front of pensioners that joke's not right at yeah. all full stop or I can't do this joke in front of my boyfriend's mother then that's that you know you've got to stand behind what you say 100% and there's a, there's self-censorship that goes on in stand-up hmm. Hmm. I mean I yeah, I'm a I'm a parent, but even before I was a parent, I can't remotely laugh at paedophile gags. It really turns me off. I just think you're an idiot. Of all the things you can talk about, mm. you want to talk about this because you're trying to be edgy. It's not edgy. Mm. You're a weirdo. And it's a quite popular topic. It is a popular a topic, and I didn't believe it was until I sort of went to a, a sort of normal comedy club recently, and I saw a lot of young male comedians do it, and I just thought, you're you're not gonna. This isn't. I'm not. I'm not proud of you. I have no respect for you. Hmm. Um, so finally, Shappy, looking back over your career, are there any stories Must or we. jokes? <laughs> Must be. <laughs> but are there any jokes that you wish you hadn't yes. told? Yes. Yes, I do. I wish I hadn't told a joke about my ex-husband on television. Oh really? Did yeah. It? I wish. I wish I hadn't. It caused a lot of damage in my life, and I did it from a place of pain. I think if you go through a divorce or a breakup, you really should give it some time for the pain to go away before you joke about it. And also, I was quite green about television when I did the same joke in a club where people can see the whites of my eyes, and they can 
they can you know they they can see me in the flesh the meaning is different the intention mm. was different but i did it on television and it, it hurt my feelings and and my ex-husband and i had to have a little word about it and and i was sorry it wasn't uh, um something that i was i would stand by today mm. But to be fair, he did take me to court like the day before. <laughs> Literally, live at the Apollo happened and I came home. There was a letter from his lawyer saying, I'm taking you to court, bitch. <laughs> and so I was like, ah, I was honestly, there was one live at the Apollo I did that I shouldn't have done. I should have been in a in a in, in, in somewhere very calm in, in with white walls and a, a, a very sort of comfortable white robe eat, drinking tea. <laughs> I, I shouldn't have been on television. In, there was a particular time in, I think, 2010, I shouldn't have been. <laughs> but there we are. You live and learn. It's all you behind do live me and now. Learn, of it's course. all behind me now. And me and Mike's husband have a fantastic relationship now, so it's all so good. So it all worked out. Yeah. Well, Chappie, I know you're rushing off to another show, so I shall let you go. But thank you so much for joining us. It's My been pleasure, Amnesty International. <laughs> and good luck for the rest of the show. Good luck saving lives. <laughs> <laughs> If you're interested in learning more about human rights or joining Amnesty International, then please go to our website, amnesty.org.uk. And make sure you don't miss our next episode. Here's a sneak peek. Will there be more acting on the horizon? Well, I find acting on the horizon is a lot easier because they don't really see your facial expressions. (laughs) 